This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we talk all things property and plenty happening around Palmerston North and around the region and we're going to spend quite a bit of time on that because there's some really interesting housing and development news that we'll talk about in the Property Matters show today and then we'll see how we go with time for other stories from around the country but first of all I just thought I'd start internationally. Now in case you're thinking of uh, improving your next door neighbours by by having a move. If you're thinking of maybe moving to a uh, an area where you could have a little bit of peace and quiet, I'm not sure if this is the one for the peace and quiet. But this article on stuff. Uh, co. nz says the estate next door to Prince Charles and Camilla lists for 14.4 million New Zealand dollars. So a 117-acre estate that's hit the real estate market in England for 14.4 million New Zealand dollars comes with a few perks, which include lush views of the surrounding landscape and its rich history, oh, and it's next door to royalty. The home, known as Elms Tree House Estate, borders on Prince Charles and wife Camilla's Gloucestershire property, a place that receives more than 30,000 visitors a year, Mention Global says. It's actually a magazine called Mention Global, I had no idea. Um, clearly, I'm not in that market. Elms Tree was built in 1844, and this is the first time it's been on the market since 1949, New York Post said. Family-owned estates such as Elms Tree really come to the market, and this estate is particularly special, Matthew Sudlow of Estates and Farm Agency at Strutton Parker said to the Post in a statement. To find houses architecturally pure as Elms Tree in this part of the world, with many original features, along with a model farmstead of this size intact, is remarkable. The property consists of an 11-bedroom country house that sits up a long private driveway, a former farmhouse named Farm End attached to the western side of the main house, a three-bedroom annex connected to the main house, and a detached two-bedroom cottage, um, the listing of Country Life says. The Elms Tree House estate provides a superb package of a striking and enviably positioned house in the heart of its land with substantial supporting buildings, offering a fantastic opportunity for the truly fabulous restoration project of a traditional English manor house and farmstead. So you will be able to find that listing online. Uh, that's called Elms Tree House. So it's E-L-M-E-S-T-R-E-E. It's well worth having a look at the, the pictures of that one. So if you uh, happen to win Lotto, then that could be a possibility for you. Otherwise, we'll return to the local market. And uh, this article that's uh, very recent just says that house prices are still going up in Palmerston North, but not so fast. So the article says Palmerston North's housing prices are continuing to rise, but not quite with the giddying speed of recent quarters. It's interesting they're now measuring them in quarters because uh, if you measure it by year, it gets a bit... um, like it's, it's a bit crazy. So the quotable value figures released today show the average house price in the city was 748500 at the end of September, up from 718000 at the end of June. That's a $30,000 increase in a few months. 
QV property consultant Olivia Roberts said there had been a slow but steady decrease in the rate of prices since April. Uh, rate of price rises, I should say. So talking about how fast it's going up. So over five consecutive months, the rolling three-month rate of house price growth had eased from a peak of 10.9% per quarter in April to 4.3% in September. But that's still above the national average growth rate of 3.6%. It added up to a remarkable 35.2% increase in a year. Now that's absolutely incredible from an investment point of view if you own residential property. Robert said people's uncertainty about what would happen with the COVID-19 Delta outbreak was not reflected in the property market yet. Real estate agents are reporting good levels of demand in the market, with a lack of supply continuing to drive prices upward. Horafenua house prices had increased 38.6% in one year, and Wanganui had seen annual growth of 36.3%. It's no wonder that investors are still looking in these areas for buying investment properties. So QV rated central New Zealand is showing the strongest annual growth. So the values in the greater Manawatu Wanganui region had grown 35% in the year, Hawke's Bay just behind on 33.2, and Wellington, or greater Wellington I should say, 32.3%. So nationally, the average house price is sitting at 977500 which is an annual increase of 26.3%. If you were inclined to look at the Auckland figures in the Auckland region, the average value is just slightly under 1.4 million. So it's uh, really pretty amazing there. Uh, in other news, in Palmerston North, a trust expands partnership with Rest Home and begins Palmerston North development. And this article is in Stuff uh, in late September, written by Paul Mitchell, if you were looking for it. So the Palmerston North Retirement Village has broken ground on a major expansion that will allow residents to keep their independence while having easy access to support. The development on Nata Street began on Monday and was a joint venture between Palmerston North Māori Reserve Trust and MetLife Care. So if you wanted to pop down Nata Street and have a look, there's certainly things happening. So the new site will be part of MetLife Care Palmerston North Village on the corner of Fitchard and Carroll Streets and it's been a long-term partnership between the two organisations. The artist's rendering of this looks uh, really nice, I must say. Uh, MetLife Care Chief Executive Earl Gasperich said it would add up to 43 two-bedroom villas to meet a growing demand from retirees who prefer to be self-sufficient. Now, what an amazing location to live. So that you'll be in, in the location, which is Central City, but future residents will receive all the benefits of being part of a friendly, well-established village community with Palmerston North Village just across the road. And of course, if new residents needed extra care or support, there's that that's available through the existing village facilities. So that's underway there as well, and that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, it takes about six weeks to prepare the land for the earthworks to begin in earnest around the middle of summer. So they're underway with that, and, uh, and that's great. They may actually even include or increase that amount of villas depending on a resource consent they're currently working on. This article, which again appeared late September, no cheap suburb as house prices continue to skyrocket in Palmerston North. It's interesting because in 2006, Palmerston North's most expensive suburb used to have an average of $508,000. Now the average in its priciest areas, such as Kelvin Grove, are pushing $1 million. If you do have a look on homes.co.nz or something like that, it's amazing to look up your address and to see what the houses around are considered to be worth. 
bearing in mind that's only an estimate, but uh, I know that properties around where I am are pushing um, close to that million dollars. It's um, pretty incredible. So in other words, the cheapest neighbourhoods in Palmerston North are now more expensive than even the most swanky neighbourhoods used to be, as house prices continue to skyrocket despite the government intervention. So CoreLogic's Mapping the Market website, which displayed the average prices of every suburb in New Zealand, showed homes in even the city's cheapest suburb of Westbrook averaged 560000 Real Estate Institute of New Zealand Manawatu spokesman Andy Stewart said it was a massive shift that had greatly changed how people hunted for a home. Stewart said that many people used to have long wish lists when they came to real estate agent. They didn't want to live in certain areas, they wanted their new home to be in certain school zones or have particular features such as en-suites or a big lawn. He says now it's all about price, they have to scour the market for anything they can afford. Stewart said it was particularly hard for first home buyers who usually needed to look outside Palmer's North for something in their price bracket. In the past, Cloverly, Awapuni and Highbury were all good bets and buyers could find a place in the older sections of Kelvin Grove or Milson. So in the mid-range subject, suburbs now, the average is pushing around 700000 and the most expensive area was Fitzherbert, with an average just shy of $1 million. But even looking outside of Palmerston North at the moment, the average prices were at least closing in on what used to be enough to secure a spot in the region's swankier suburb. Waitareri Beach had the highest average house price at 676000 followed by Fielding, where an average home now will set you back almost 650000 The cheapest areas to buy, by a large margin, were in Tararua. Ekatahuna, for example, average house price of 390000 and both Danny Burke and Woodville were only a little more expensive, with averages of 413000 and 414000 respectively. Mortgage Connect advisor Craig Seaton said it took roughly a decade for most home buyers to save the average deposit, and that goal kept getting further away. It's really incredible to have to, to work hard to save a deposit for that long. He says that over the past year we've seen a lot more first home buyers, particularly singles, that we just can't help, and KiwiSaver alone is never going to be enough. So since last September, the average Palmerston North house price rose almost $163,000. That's incredible. It's well over $10,000 a month. So even with a growth-focused KiwiSaver scheme and a three-year average growth rate of 11.32%, that was... Uh, it was still 42 times the 3,808 um, that the average New Zealand wage earner would add to the KiwiSaver with default contributions. So it requires house hunters now to be a little bit more creative. And Craig Seaton says that they're seeing a lot more groups of good friends or siblings going in on a house together to raise the deposit. And that was particularly popular with Defence Force personnel who tended to form close friendships with each other and were used to living closely with strict requirements for tidiness. He says, but those kinds of arrangements come with their own problems. People need to make sure that they get good legal advice on how to set things up. So when I sold my uh, family home reasonably recently, it was people from Defence who purchased it in that exact scenario. A couple of articles here just to update on the Kiwi Rail development. This article from late September says that roads needed to support rail freight plans near Palmerston North. 
A key driver of KiwiRail's Palmer's North Freight Distribution Centre is to get more goods on tra- onto trains and more heavy traffic off the roads. It's going to be great once it's done for certain areas of the city. But during construction, it's going to have the opposite effect. And once operating, it'll need to connect to a regional freight ring road, which is not there yet. So Palmer's North City Council Acting Chief Engineer Robert Van Bentham outlined some short and long-term challenges at a commissioner's hearing on KiwiRail's notice of requirement to designate 177 hectares of land for the development. He said there should be conditions that ensured KiwiRail paid for damage to roads during the construction and helped create suitable connections to routes taking heavy traffic away from residential areas and onto state highways. The panel has heard that the undulating area that stretches from the northeast industrial zone beyond Palmer's North Airport and most of the way to Bunnythorpe will need a lot of fill material to create level yards. And if you've driven down that part of Railway Road, you think, wow, this is going to be an amazing feat of engineering to do that. So during two years of construction, 145,000 truck and trailer units carrying 15 cubic metres of fill would need to get into the site. And there's no question that those heavy vehicle movements will result in the rapid deterioration of roads that they'll be travelling on. So it's pretty pretty amazing there just to see how that would go. And uh, we'll see see where that ends up. But the City Council is planning to spend millions of dollars on strategic roads in the coming years. And uh, there's still a bit of uncertainty about the timing of the Waka Kotahi New Zealand Transport Agency subsidies. So moving on on that as well, this article from around the same time says Kiwi Rail urged to bend to neighbours' concerns on the freight centre. So reviewing Kiwi Rail's plan to again designate this huge site in Palmer's North for a freight and distribution centre have raised significant doubts as to whether it will work. Witnesses for the City Council still had questions about whether it was big enough and whether the proposed layout would be able to get resource consents as a Commissioner's hearing drew to a close. Planner Anita Copplestone said on Thursday that Kiwi Rail had not provided detailed information about the scale, characteristics, intensity and significance of the effects of the freight centre on the environment. Uh, that was partly because it had not applied for resource consents from the regional council yet. That's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, it's just the order in which things happen. Copplestone said it made it hard for the council's team to know how significant the effects would be and whether they could be managed within the site. She said that while some concerns would be dealt with later, it was difficult to work out whether they would actually be able to achieve what they wanted to do. And it would be inefficient if Kiwi Rail finds it necessary to make a future application to alter the designation because regional consents are unobtainable without significant design changes. So a few concerns there as well. Noise expert Nigel Lloyd said there's about 10 homes along that boundary closest to the main trunk railway line and where the shunting yards would be built that would be seriously affected um, they would be exposed to unacceptable noise levels, particularly at night, that were incompatible with residential activity. The, the thoughts are around expanding the designation area to give those affected landowners by the sound the chance to, or the possibility for Kiwi, Kiwi Rail to buy them out. Um, so there's a whole bunch of homes that are inside that area, but then there are all the ones around the edge as well. So uh, not not a huge number, but that's something where Kiwi Rail has been asked if they would consider stepping up and also buying those properties. So we're going to have a little break now. We're just going to have a little bit of music here on Property Matters by Hosier. This is Take Me to Church. My lover's got humour She's the giggle at a funeral 
Cause everybody's disapproval I should have worshipped her sooner If the heavens ever did speak She's the last true mouthpiece Every Sunday's getting more bleak Fresh poison each week We were born sick You heard them say it My church offers no absolutes She tells me worship in the bedroom The only heaven I'll be sent to I'm alone with you I was born sick But I love it Command me to be well Amen 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 Take me to church I worship like a dog At the shrine of your Listening to Property Matters here on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo, Irarangi o Nga Tangata, o Manawatu. I'm Greg Watson. It's lovely having your company. We've been talking mainly local news today, and uh, we'll continue to do so. And uh, a few weeks ago on the show, we were talking about the homestead that had uh, squatters in it, where they were looking at claiming squatting rights for a property that's out at Mount Lee. So here's an update. It says, Homestead at the heart of the squatter squabble to be made available for community use. 
So a historic homestead in Manawatu that has been the focus of squatters' legal challenge is to be made available for community use. A plan being formed to make the million-dollar homestead at Mount Lees Reserve, which has been empty for the last 18 months, available for community groups and schools to use. The 29-hectare reserve near Halcombe is renowned for public walking tracks and an extensive collection of exotic and native plants, including a large kahikatea tree over a 1,000 years old and a bamboo grove. I did not know that. I have to go and have a look. But the District Council has been unable to secure a new commercial lease for the building, which previously operated as a bed and breakfast. According to OneRoof.co.nz, the estate was valued at $1.1 million in 2019. In the past year, the median price, as I mentioned, has uh, increased by about 36%. So many of the plants just mentioned at Mount Lees were introduced by former owner and politician Ormond Wilson, who gifted the land to the Crown in 1971. So I seem to have missed a little bit here, but they're referring to, I believe it's Helen Warboys, it's a little vague on the content here, but it says that Warboys met with members of Wilson's family at the reserve on September 29th. She said they endorsed future community use of the building and the council is now drafting a management plan and figuring out how to get community members involved. She said that 81 schools and early childhood centres taking part in Enviro Schools programmes were an example of the sort of groups who would benefit from having access to the homestead. The property has been the subject of a legal dispute after squatters occupied it in July, claiming it had been abandoned by the council. Tararua woman Kerry Ann Reddy cited an archaic law in a bid for the land, but legal expert Stuff Spoker said the claim had no merit in New Zealand law. But even so, the matter had cost the council almost $15,000 in legal advice as of September the 29th. The homestead had been empty since uh, February 2020 uh, when the 18-year Airbnb lease uh, finished up. In other news, uh, and this is to do with uh, Cloverley and or that that sort of area, Meadowbrook residents do not want a dram of Whiskey Creek. And this is in the last uh, week. This article's been in the paper. Palmer's North residents in a corner of the city who enjoy rural outlooks and sunny yards are prepared to resist plans for a new housing subdivision over the fence. The developer Flyger's Investment Group has applied to the City Council to rezone about 13 hectares of rural land near Rangitiki Line at the entrance to the, to the urban area of the city. The bulk of the Whiskey Creek area would be changed from rural to recreation zoning, with some three hectares backing onto Meadowbrook Drive. A cul-de-sac off Benmore Ave would become residential. Long-term resident John Anderson says most of the neighbourhood opposed the plan, with about three-quarters of them likely to sign a petition. Most of them would be making submissions about the proposed private change to the district plan. Anderson said his home had been built to take advantage of the open views and was orientated towards the sun. He said if the proposal went ahead, there could be buildings five metres tall just a short distance from the boundary, and that would shade his backyard from the sun from about 2pm at this time of year. But it was not just that effect on his property that worried him. He said the area is also a floodplain and he thought plans to channel the flows would direct more water towards properties downstream around Gillespie's line. And he believed the developer's advisors had also underestimated the liquefaction risks. The City Council accepted the private plan change proposal in June after acting planning manager Michael Duendum, Duendum excuse me, uh, explained 
that it could only be rejected on narrow legal grounds. The council had earlier signalled the possibility of the land being used for housing in some of its strategy documents but had not initiated the change itself. So for some residents in the Cloverley area, it's actually the third time they've challenged development plans. Dobbin Investments Limited proposed building a $77 million mega mall there, which um, some listeners may remember, but they withdrew its call for zoning change in 2007 in the face of overwhelming opposition. A revised plan from Paraparaumu-based MC2 Group in 2008 that proposed a retirement village, distribution centres, shops and an adventure playground has also lapsed. The latest plan would create a neighbourhood of about 158 sections for housing and a small area for commercial use. The sections would be a variety of sizes with part of the area set up to allow multi-unit houses up to 11 metres tall. The main access road would be off Benmore Ave and a connection to Rangitiki Line would allow left turns only. Information supplied by the applicant states that the allowing of the rezoning would help meet the city's housing demand in an area well located for access to the central city, job opportunities and community facilities. The applicant said earthworks would help reduce the extent of flood-prone land and the former Whiskey Creek stream bed would be redeveloped as a green corridor that would form a public reserve. So submissions close, uh, if you're interested, on October the 28th, around that. And that, that's the. And then there's an opportunity for further submissions before it actually goes to a planning hearing. That's uh, interesting that they're allowing um, properties that are fairly high. If they're, if they're the medium density sort of housing stuff, uh, then those or or higher, those are normally surrounded by a bit of green land anyway, so as not to impact on the neighbours, but uh, we'll see where that one goes. Uh, finally today, Square Edge can no longer house an artist in residence. So Palmer's North's artist in residence can no longer be offered accommodation at the city's Square Edge Community Arts Centre building. The building's actually in line for $400,000 worth of fire safety upgrades with the works triggering an inspection that found it was no longer up to the new standards required for residential accommodation. So City Council Property Manager Bryce Hosking said that to gain compliance it would need an improved fire exit, fire doors and sprinklers which would double the price of the project. So the unit was decommissioned in March. Situation means alternative accommodation needs to be provided for the Massey University slash City Council Artist and Residence Scheme. Square Edge Community Arts Artistic Director Karen Sikram said the apartment had been converted into workspaces for artists in the meantime, so it's good that it's still being used. City Council Arts, Culture and Heritage Committee Chairwoman Rachel Bowen said it was important to stress that the artist's flat had been compliant until the building code was triggered, and then it became apparent it would not meet the standards for the future. She says, living in the heart of the city's community art scene had been an attractive part of the artist and residence scheme, but not critical for it to continuing. It's actually up for review next year. So one of the most recent artists to live in the building was science fiction writer Octavia Cade, who was kept indoors there during lockdown in 2020. And summer Shakespeare director Mel Cook was the most recent to move out. The current artist, multimedia artist Martin Serkham, was expected to arrive in August. But he's uh, coming from Auckland, so we're just waiting to see how that goes with lockdown, etc. So that's all we've got for this week's show. Great to have uh, so much local news, a lot happening. Uh, We look forward to catching up with you next week on Property Matters. Have a wonderful week. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. 
For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.